Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Truck Cup Podcast. I'm James Rooster Bowen here with my good friend Justin Martin. And today we're going to be talking with some uh, some guests. Uh, Justin's been digging around TikTok, and we have another awesome guest lined up to you. Uh, Married to the Roads, Larry and Angie Baum are here with us today. And they're actually in the shop. They just got the trailer PM. Then, as we all know, the shop is going to find every little thing wrong with their truck and trailer to get it fixed. Uh, at least you wasn't in the shop for two and a half weeks like I was my last time run through. But uh, Angie, how are you doing today? Well, I'm doing great. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's one of those things. They, they tell you one thing's wrong and they find two other things wrong. So, <laughs> Yeah, I, I had one story. I, I told this in the past. We had a brand new 2013 uh, Freightliner Coronado that our company had bought for us. And the very first oil change we got for it, we went to the TA in um, Ashland, Virginia, and this new mechanic that they had, he he tightened the uh, the crush nut on there and put a crack straight through the aluminum oil pan. So we we, we found out out the next day when we parked the truck and uh, all the oil had leaked out. <laughs> oh no, that's terrible! Yeah, yeah, good oh, help is hard to find. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, tell us a little about you guys yourself and uh, your career and uh, how you uh, ended up where you're at today. Well, my husband's been driving for 17 years. This is going to be my eighth. Uh, we got married about eight and a half years ago and I decided that I didn't like being a trucker's wife staying at home <laughs> we were newlyweds and so he's like well why don't you get your CDL and join me and I'm like well our kids are grown why not so I went out with him and I, sh- I wish I'd done it sooner I love it. I just feel like this is my calling I love being out here and I, we just love it where we, at first the first two years were kind of hard being with someone 24 7 yeah <laughs> but you, know, you learn how to get along with each other now we love it <laughs> yeah, I, I tell companies all the time the best kind of teams you can hire are husband and wife teams. You know, empty nesters, recently retired military couples. Those those guys, every company I've ever been through or have come across, those are their rock star drivers. Yes. Husband and wife teams. Yeah, and we're in the process. We just got a, a super sleeper, so we don't need a home anymore, really, because we mm. have a home meal. So we're selling yep. our house. <laughs> oh, even better. Yeah. Um. So if you don't mind me asking, like, who do you guys drive for now, or are you are you okay giving that away? Yeah, we uh, we currently drive for Landstar. Uh, we were with FedEx for about seven years, and we just ah. oh okay. Rooster Rooster's a former uh, Landstar alum. Ah uh, <laughs> yes, I'm a former blue big blue star myself. Um, <laughs> when you said run it through the trailer through the shop, I was like, okay, that's kind of off chance. And now here we are with Landstar, and I exactly know what's going on there. <laughs> Uh, believe what is it not every 90 days they want their trailers ran through the shop somewhere exactly yeah we did the truck last week and trailer this week i had to do the same thing when i was driving team because the company i drove for was in california and with uh, them, you need a pm every quarter yep. yeah it's a, it's it's a huge pain yes yeah and i don't know if you keep your keep the same trailer i i, sw- I swap trailers and it's like Every time you pick one up, it's not inspected, and you got to immediately stop and get it inspected. Yep. Yes. We're we're pretty blessed because uh, we do a lot of, they call it specialized freight. So, in other words, our freight's tracked. So, we get to keep the same trailer, but you know, that comes with its pros and its cons. So. <laughs> oh, I, I, I probably ran across you guys. If you, if you run into any uh, uh, Green Valley uh, transportation trucks, that's who I used to drive for. It's a great company. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've seen them. I have. Yeah. Yeah, based out of Tracy, California. Yeah, Landstar, FedEx, Mercer. I think those were like ninety percent of all the other teams we would run across. Um, TS, no, not TSMC. I think was was another one. Yes. Um, yeah, I wasn't at Landstar long enough to actually get into the specialized fleets. I was there for two and a half years, 
they were actually what they were knocking on my door for was AA and E. And I was like, I'm not getting in with a team. <laughs> so I just leave me, leave me alone with my FedEx, FedEx ground and I'll be happy. Yeah, we used to do FedEx ground too for a long time, almost six years. So yeah, we're familiar with that pulling doubles. <laughs> Yeah, no. The, the last last couple we just interviewed a couple of weeks ago, they they were a FedEx Ground team, and they're killing it. You know, I'm happy. I'm yeah. super happy for them. Uh, my dad and I, we, we were we were like really really close to leasing on the FedEx, getting a, a, a expedited truck, and uh, plan eventually fell apart, and that's how I ended up going from over the road to uh, local. But yeah, no, it it was it was so fun, and I tell the guys all the time, like if you're kind of stuck where you're at in your career and you don't know where, where to go. Um, hauling specialized freight, AA and E, all that stuff. That, that is so fun. And you get to see oh. places you never would have thought possible. Yeah. And I love going to the military bases personally, because I just think the personnel there at any of the bases we've ever gone to are so nice, so sweet. And they're just, I don't know. It's very interesting. I love going to the bases and we've got two kids that are in the military or in the air force. So it's, Makes it much easier to get on base. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Well, my and my dad was retired Air Force, so that he still had his military ID, and getting on base was like super easy. Um, yeah. The pre- previous partner I had, he we were both civilians, so you know we had to go through the whole security process every every base we went into. But the the first week I did with my dad, I was like, "You have just saved in the last like three stops. You've saved us more time, uh, <laughs> just not having to go through security stuff than like it would have taken us, you know, a week." Yeah, you know? the security <laughs> process it, it can take almost an hour. <laughs> So, and I'm okay, concerned. so it's it's been a long time since I was since I was hauling that kind of freight. Let, let me ask you if this is still the case. So every base I've ever gone to, as long as like the security force, if it's all GIs, they're phenomenal. It's just kids out there just doing their job. But if it's if it's like a private security, it's, it's they're just like the most power tripping jerks you're ever going to come across. That that's so true. If it's just a regular yeah. military, <laughs> it's usually the younger guys, and they're so sweet. But yeah, when you deal with the special military forces, yeah, it's something else. <laughs> yeah, no, it, anyone that's civilian and, and you give them a, a gun and a badge and you say you, you can do whatever you want, they're just going to run with it. Versus, you know, the GI, they, they just want to finish the job and go home and have a beer for the night. <laughs> exactly. They're like three o'clock. I'm clocking out. I want to go home. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. No, and then the Marine bases were the best. Um, those those were the coolest guys. Uh, Pendleton was really great. Um, what's like the worst place you've ever been stuck at for the weekend? Uh, well, I, when we first, oh yeah, yeah. Last year, actually, we were in uh, Wyoming, of course. I was going to, I was going to guess Minot. (laughs) (laughs) As soon as you said sub-zero temperatures, I was thinking Minot. Yep. Oh yeah. That's a good one too. Yeah. It was, uh, that's where we just were. Minot. Yeah. We were just there. It was a minus 16 degrees and our fuel gelled up. (laughs) Oh no. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so you had a breakdown. I, I was asking just like, you know, so when you're hauling that kind of freight, you know, you get to these bases and sometimes you can drop in secure hold and get a oh, taxi yeah. or whatever. But I've, I've been to some where you're just, you're just stuck on base because that's what they do with the trucks. You never know, unless you've been there before, you don't really know what the process is. The nicest um, one we were at is up in Washington. Yeah. In um, Indian Island. Yep. Indian Head. Indian. Or, oh, I'm sorry. Indian Head is uh, Maryland. Yeah. Indian Island is great. Yeah. Yeah, they have like an RV park for us. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, I, water, no sewer though. Yeah, and it was yeah. right in the lake, so we just got to park for the weekend and you know meet with other drivers and cook out with and them. So and it was a fire great. pit. And a fire pit. Yep. Oh man, man, you guys are taking me back. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've uh, been up there. Yeah, the, the, the what I always struck me was like when you're driving up there, 
all the 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 roofs of all the houses have grass on them because it's, it's just so like soggy and, and rainy all, all year and the weather always sucks it's it's misty and cloudy and then maybe once out of every four or five trips you go there the skies are blue the sun's out and you're just it's like a it's like a battery reset on your like spiritual battery like you're just like oh i get it i totally get it why people live up here like you, 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 you suffer through those 10 days for that one nice clear blue sky and you're like oh this 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 is worth it I know his brother lives up in Seattle and we're like, every time we go up there, we're like, it's beautiful, but my God, every time we're up here, it's cold and rainy. (laughs) Portland and we were at Jubitz for four days and it rained Mm. every single day, just right there on the 84, right at the river. It's called Jubitz. Travel Center. Jubitz Travel Center. Amazing truck stop. Has, um, have you guys been uh, been out to Crane, Crane, Indiana? Yes, we have a couple times. has that gotten any better? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> for folks, for folks who don't know, Crane is kind of out in the middle of nowhere in Indiana. And the last time I went through, they had just finished I sixty nine through the area, and there was not. A, it's not even a truck stop. It's just a convenience store that had like a parking lot where you could fit like five trucks, and that was basically the only services out there. Yeah. And it, it, there were rumors that there was going to be a pilot out there eventually, and I don't know if that that has ever happened yet. I heard there was going to be a pile of nothing's been built out there yet, but I had heard the same thing. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay. Enough, enough about the history. You know, we're, we're reminiscing. I can, I can see roosters wanting to get back in the truck now. Listen to all this. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I miss doing stuff like that. You know, uh, I did some base runs, you know, uh, Marine Corps logistics base, Albany, Georgia, you know, MREs come into there, then they get scattered out across the nation. You know, I, I went up the way up in Minnesota, way up past uh, St. Paul out to a, uh, 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 I think it was Minnesota National Guard base dropped off a load. But that's the bulk of my military career. You guys have it all the fun in AA&E. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that, that security clearance application was no joke. How Was it pretty painless for you guys? It was easy for me. Larry took a while. I don't know why, but yeah, he, he took a while. He always says it's a bad boy in him. But yeah, mine went through. Like The only thing is we did it right at the height of COVID, so it was slowed oh. down a little bit. But yeah, mine went through fine, and yeah. this took about four months later. <laughs> How Okay, that's a, that's a good uh, jumping point there. How has COVID impacted that kind of freight? Because, you know, it's, it's obviously it's impacted just about everything else. Yeah, it, it really – it slowed down for – well, okay, at the, height of, at the height of COVID, it was – we ran hard because we were doing a lot of the COVID vaccinations and we had to be very secretive about it because mm-hmm. there was a lot of people that didn't like the COVID vaccination. So we were pretty busy at the beginning of COVID, but then the government freight started really slowing down. So, you know, it's just kind of the last, I would say two and a half, three years, it's been like a roller coaster. Sometimes it's really good. And sometimes it's just hard, hard to get a yeah. load. <laughs> just, just like the regular, you know, commercial freight, you know, it, it has its ups and downs too. What, what was funny to me was, um, was it June or July is the end of the fiscal year for government freight? Yep. Somewhere yep. around there. So like when, when things are really cooking in commercial freight with, with military freight, it kind of peters out. But then right when they get to the end of the fiscal year, all these bases have this money that they're sitting on top of. And they, the, the way the government spending works is either you use it or lose it. So right. they got to, they got to use all the money allocated to them. So you have all these like stupid little loads that make absolutely no sense, but it's because they got to move this stuff around so they can keep the same money in their budget for the next year. I've hauled some just absolutely like a single ammo can from like one coast to the other, just stupid yeah. stuff like that. 
I think this the wor- the the weirdest one we had was what with the suitcase. Yeah, a suitcase. Yeah, it was like <laughs> it was it was a pelican case, one pelican case. Cross country, literally. I think it was California to New Virginia Jersey. or New Jersey. Yeah, cross yep. country. Yep. <laughs> and, but, but <laughs> and you're and you're taking that on I forty, dealing with the winds, and yeah, yeah. Hold yeah. on. Hold on, Toto. We're going for a ride. Talk about light. (laughs) And it was raining, and it was an office building that we couldn't get into. So I had actually carried it from the office to the street that we were parked in. (laughs) In the pouring rain, yeah. In the pouring rain. At least it it wasn't... It never rains in Southern California. (laughs) I'm sorry, what's that? It said it never rains in Southern California. Oh, yeah, never, never. (laughs) For me, the only like really pain in the ass one I had was um, we were hauling 1.1, and when we got to the base, they they knew it was coming. They had plenty of warning in advance, and when we arrived, so the way that they expl- I'll explain to the audience that doesn't know the way they store explosives is based on a, a system of math they use called net explosive weight. So you could have something that weighs 50 pounds, but the actual thing inside of it that goes boom might only weigh half a pound. And different categories of explosive have higher ratings of net explosive weight. And so 1.1 is the most hazardous one you you, you carry. It's, it's a instantaneous flash, you know, with no shrapnel or anything. Think think like demolition charges and C4, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm, I'm trying to be like as big as possible without and saying what I was hauling. Scored out in the bunkers. Yes, exactly. So we, we get to this base and they got their bunker ready to go. And he's reading the paperwork and they thought, that what we were hauling had a net explosive weight of 20 pounds, but it was actually like 40,000 something pounds because the object itself was only 20 pounds, but the net explosive weight was like way up the chart. Oh, they were livid because everything that was stored inside that bunker was going to get put over the max capacity um, of what we were carrying. So they had to like take everything out of that bunker, shuffle it around to other bunkers just so they can put in the one little pallet of 1.1 that we were bringing them. And uh, (laughs) yeah, some I knew I knew somebody got an ass chewing that day. Oh yeah, I can totally see that. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) Um, what is what has been your record so far for like the lightest load you've carried? Probably those two suitcases. What did you say? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. coast to coast, like twenty pounds. I I literally carried them about two hundred yards from the office to the truck. Yeah. Heavy, that's heavy stuff. Mine was so Green Valley and I, other other carriers to this too, where they have a um, a dramatory box on the truck, and mm-hmm. then a, and then a, a, a trailer as well. And sometimes they'll haul like a drum trains, which is basically a flatbed full of drums. And we had we had one ammo box. It was three pounds on the truck, and then in the trailer was like a hard drive. And it was, you know, less than something pounds. And yeah, again, it went from California all the way to Virginia, going across I forty, just getting blasted middle yeah. of the spring. And that that was the only time where I was like, I really hate this job. Yeah, I, there's nothing scarier <laughs> or Nebraska or, or even Nevada, and you've got like no weight, and your truck's just going all over the place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because like snow, ice, whatever, you you can pull over, park, or drive slower. Rain, you know, you slow down. Everything else, you know, it's just slow down, slow down. But when it's the wind, you could be stopped, and it, it'll toss you. Exactly. It'll toss you over. And we we were pretty lucky with that load. We picked it up Friday. We didn't have to deliver till Monday. So we pretty much took the 10 all the way across the 95 and the 95 up. To yeah. Avoid all that. Yeah. Now, it, I tell everyone, that's it, hauling hauling that kind of freight, it's – you know, it's it's a it's a great opportunity. Plus, you can you can springboard that into other other places. You know, a lot of a lot of 
carriers that deal with, um, you know, road shows. Um, God, what else am I thinking of here? Ba- basically, as long as you do that freight and you're not a total screw up, you can go anywhere. Yeah, really. exactly. Exactly. It's good. It's, I always tell everybody, you know, even if you don't get your, you know, Department of Defense clearance, get all your endorsements. They're only going to yeah. help you in the long run. You never know what kind of job you're going to be looking for in the future. And if you have those endorsements, it's awesome to have that in your back pocket. You know, you never know when a good job's going to come up. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so you guys have been, obviously, you know your stuff. You've been doing this for a while here. What um, led you guys to the NADRA? What, tell me more about this uh, NADRA organization you guys are. Actually, my husband was the one that came across Matt, uh, who's one of the founders of the NADRA. He was on TikTok and he was watching some of his videos. He's like, man, he's like, you really got to watch these videos. And then before long, he commented on one of the videos and then they realized, you know, ooh, these people are pretty big on social media. So they contacted us. And I don't know, we sat down and we we talked with them. And I don't know, we talked for like a couple of weeks and we're like, wow, we really like what they have to say. It was refreshing because we've We've thought of joining other organizations and like the convoys that went on last year and all that stuff, you know, because everyone wants the same thing. Everybody wants to see changes in the industry mm-hmm. and everybody feels that we're overregulated. But how do we go about making a difference? And I just liked what they stood for, what they were saying. And it was kind of a new way of doing things. And we're like, maybe we can make a difference. <laughs> so what's so different about NADRA versus, you know, some of the other uh, organizations? Like what, what exactly do they do? Well, right now we've only really been an organization for four months. We're still working on, you know, getting all of our, all of our, uh, everything dotted and, and crossed, but oh, the ducks big in ducks in a row, the biggest mm-hmm. thing is that we're trying to promote unity amongst the trucking industry. Cause as we know, you know, when it comes to tough topics and tough things as a trucking industry, we don't tend to pull together. We do a lot of finger pointing and, you know, we, we are the first ones to put other people down. You're like, you're not doing that right or whatever. Our biggest thing is we want to unite because we feel that until we unite the truckers, we're not honestly going to make any type of difference in Washington. And right now we're dealing with the biggest thing on the table right now is the speed limit mandate that, yeah. you know, probably going to go into effect in June. Well, are we going to sit around and let it happen or is there possibly a way that we could try to make a difference and get our voices heard? So I don't know. And the other thing is, you know, with the NADRA, they want to work with other organizations. They're willing to sit down and talk to Ida or whoever else wants to join us. You know, it's not that we want to work against other organizations. We want to try to unite and see if as together we could come together and try to make a difference, which to me was refreshing. Not many organizations have said that, you know, they always want to be their own entity and we're going to do things our way and we don't want to talk to other people. And we're like, no, 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 no. Let's all get together and see if we can make a difference. Yeah, the speed limiters is a big thing. We we talked a couple months back with a good friend of the show, Mike Williams. He's a truck driver and fellow podcaster from Australia. And he told us straight up, he's like, don't let them do it. You know, we instituted speed limiters here in Australia years ago, and it's just been nothing but nothing but pain ever since. Yeah, every time I think of the speed limit mandate, I mean, prime example is any truck driver that, that drives in California. Look at how hard it is to drive in California. Oh, yeah. But their speed's 70 and we're at 55. You know, it's a nightmare for us truck drivers. And you want to do that all across the country? Yeah. Well, and, that, and that's interesting, too, because a lot of states like Ohio um, and some other states have recently gotten rid of their split speed limits. So everyone's celebrating what a great you know achievement that is. But then that, all that is going to do is just push that off to the federal level where it'll be mandated, you know, from up on high to all the trucks regardless yeah. of what state you're in. So don't don't start celebrating the removal of the split limits at the state level when it's coming down from up high on the federal level, just around the corner. It's going to be a big mess. It, it yeah. really is. It, it's going to be a mess. And, 
And I know so many truck drivers. Now, now don't get me wrong. I know that as truck drivers, we all we all talk and we all bitch and complain. But so many truckers are saying that if that really goes into place, I do see a lot of truckers waiting to leave the industry because mm-hmm. who wants to take a load doing 60 miles an hour or 65 cross country? Do you know how much time that's going to eat into your home time, your off time, you know, and, and then the rates, you think that everything in the grocery stores are expensive now it's gonna be mm-hmm. way more expensive yeah well I, and i've been saying from the beginning any lawmaker that is in favor of legislation like this should be forced to drive behind two semis that are trying to pass each other on the way home and on the way to work every single day for the rest of their lives absolutely <laughs> absolutely that's, I like that. yes that's the only way to stop that because no, nobody thinks about that everyone's like yeah, yeah safety if we slow the trucks down the safety goes up but they don't understand that that's not how human behavior works. You know, if you're, if you're making it impossible for two trucks to pass each other, all that's going to do is make everyone else on the road irate. And there's going to be so many four wheelers that are going to want to squeeze between us trucks. Yes. Yep. Oh, we, I just, I just shared a, a video um, before we started recording of a uh, van, a, you know, a car that was trying to pass a, a like a work van that was a, uh, you know, taking his time passing a truck and that car wiped out, you know, itself, the van in front of it and the, uh, ag truck that was uh, next to them. Uh, I, and that, I, I actually just wrote an article on our, our blog about that this week. I'm like, my other biggest concern is, I mean, we already know that road rage exists between truckers and four wheelers. We see it all the time, but if we're slowed down to that pace, my biggest concern is that now I think you're endangering the lives of truckers because the road rage incidents are going to totally increase because people are going to be so mad at us. And it's like, hey, there's nothing we can do. We have governors on our truck now. Yeah, and just and just because two trucks are governed at the same speed doesn't mean they're going to be traveling at the same speed either. You know, exactly. wear wear and tear on the tires, the weight of the vehicle, the grade of the of the road, all kinds of things contribute. Yeah. Um, but if you want to get away from just anecdotes, um, really good data on this too, and, and part of what Mike uh, shared with us from Australia, the vast majority of accidents that involve cars with semis don't happen on the highway or at highway speeds. It's all, you know, off off the highways and in town under 25 miles per hour. Yeah, I, I saw that too. And I, I was actually shocked when I, I saw that. But yeah, it's true. And they were saying that most of the accidents that are caused, say, between a semi-truck and a passenger vehicle, majority of the time it was a passenger vehicle's fault, not the semi-truck. So it's like, yeah. you really got to look at the statistics differently. You know, split speed limits is kind of crazy, especially California. I mean, 55 in a big truck across the state is dumb, yeah. you know, and they talk about, you know, what speed's it going to be? What speed's it going to be? You know, I personally, I'm thinking it's probably going to be 60, because 60 is a nice round number, 60 minutes an hour, 60 miles an hour, mile a minute, easy, easier for the, uh, the, the bean counters to figure out how much, how much these, uh, loads are going to cost us. So yeah, uh, that's kind of what I'm thinking about this. Uh, it's kind of funny, you know, it's, you know, the whole trucking deregulation back in the eighties was supposed to like get rid of all this, but it seems now in deregulation, we have more regulations on us than we had, you know, they had in the late seventies, you know? So it's, a uh, another game of politics. It's, you know, it's kind of crazy. And also it's wild to me that, you know, they're going to have this idea of slowing the trucks down without also, you know, getting rid of the overtime exemption from the motor the, the Motor Carrier Act of 1980. Yes. Or not, 19, yeah. 1930, whatever. I'm going to get, I'm going to get chewed up by Rachel Premack butchering that. <laughs> <laughs> she's, a, she's a good friend of ours and friend of the show and, and a coworker. And she's, she's written on this plane. And I've talked to her about it too. Um, a lot of people, you know, obviously truck drivers know this, but uh, a lot of people that I talk to that either don't know anyone or 
are very unfamiliar with the trucking industry, the truck drivers are not guaranteed overtime. No, yeah. absolutely not. And and on average, how many hours a week do you guys say you would work? Oh, God. how much do you think we're overtime? Oh, we we both push for seventy hours a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we usually so, hit our seventy because we're constantly running. So thirty, so thirty hours each of of yeah. overtime, right there. You guys, you guys aren't getting paid. Yep. Yeah, we <laughs> we run at least six days a week sometimes. And uh, and hence the reason they won't allow and hence the reason they won't allow overtime, because as soon as that gate gets open, they're gonna get bankrupt. Payroll is the number one expense of any company around. And guess what? If you got drivers that are mandated 70 hours and they do un- unlock overtime for drivers, guess what's going to happen? Probably going to be looking at, at a, some okay. sort of rule being put in real fast to mandate four 10-hour days a week <laughs> to get, get truckers mandated to down to be outside of overtime. And see, I, I would love to call the bluff on that because um, one of my biggest bones to pick right now, especially with the, the ATA, their chief economist, I'm blanking on his name right now, but he had a quote last year that, you know, one of the issues in the trucking industry right now is that we're just not working the trucks hard enough. You know, he was, he was, he was quoting the this, this statistic about um, all these trucks that are sitting idle waiting to get loaded or unloaded. And right. it's like, okay, people are, people work based on incentive. And if these companies that are taking their sweet time loading or unloading the trucks have to start paying out for that overtime, well, guess what? Now they're going to be incentivized to, you know, not hold the trucks up like they are. Absolutely. You know, you Absolutely. Guys, I don't know if you guys see this a lot because um, you're hauling specialized freight, but like a lot of these like grocery warehouses and stuff you go to, like Walmart, for example, I, I like picking on them. If you're a Walmart truck, you're you're in and out because they're paying their drivers by the by the hour while they're waiting. But if they're an outside contractor, whatever, you know, they'll let them sit. Especially if you're like Capstone. Yep. <laughs> Capstone is another one. I, I think I need to start picking picking on them more because I'm I never heard of them when I was on the road, but, but they're all I hear about now. People that wait, you know. 12, oh more, than, more than 12 God. hours getting loaded somewhere it's it's insane. i've heard that about them i've heard that i've got several friends that they've told me about the wait i mean we that's one nice thing we don't hardly ever wait too long doing what we do usually you know it's a scheduled appointment we may have to wait three to four hours but yeah i mean there's a lot of my friends that you know a friend of mine the other day she had to wait 11 hours you know ran out of hours just sitting there she had a seven o'clock in the morning appointment and i don't think they finally got her loaded till nine ten o'clock at night just sat there the whole day insane insane <laughs> No, and, and you guys can verify this. I, I tell people all the time the the worst part of hauling government freight, the longest you're going to wait hauling government freight is the paperwork. Oh, oh yeah, that's the yeah, truth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lo- loading the trailer is the easy part. It's it's waiting on the guy in the office or the gal in the office to uh, work the fax machine to get all your stuff uh, in order. Absolutely, <laughs> the longest the longest wait time is getting through the gate. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that's true too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Depending on the base, some of them, you know, they're they're like, oh, you're good, come on through. And sometimes it's like for, it's like, oh, you want my firstborn's name too? <laughs> Quantico to, was always fun for me because they X-ray the entire truck. You 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 pull up and park the truck and they make you get out. And I would always joke with them like, oh, thanks, I left I left my coffee in there, so thanks for warming it up. And they just roll their eyes. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh. Some of, some of the guys like when they're. Um, if it's somebody that takes their job a little too seriously, I have like the instinct of like, I need to crack as many dad jokes as possible just to make them break character. And I, I've had, I've had a few successes. That's how my husband is. He's exactly yeah. the same. Nuclear plants. We're done with them. Oh yeah. Nuclear no power more. plants are the worst. <laughs> really? I, 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 so I only hold explosives. I never did flammable or a new or a radioactive or anything. So, so they, they take themselves a little too seriously at the, at the plants. No. Last time we did nuclear, which will be the last time. 
We waited eight hours to get to the gate. Oh. And they inspected our truck. He was in our truck for three or for an hour and a half, tore our truck apart. It took us over three hours to put it back together. Yeah, Jeez. and that was, that was like three or four years ago. And we did we did that twice. And we're like, yeah, no, we're not doing that again. Because, <laughs> you know, you're, you got to figure that not only is your truck your truck, but your truck is your home. It's your home, so, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think, what was the name of the Air Force Base in Albuquerque? Um, my So my dad was stationed there years ago. And I warned him, you know, when, when my company hired him, we'd been driving for like six months and they were sending us there. And I told him like, you got to watch out for this base, like the security staff there. They're all pricks. They, they, they take your truck and they turn it inside out. They make you get out of the truck and go around the corner to like this other security shack. And inside that shack, all the windows have been punched out. The, the walls are just covered in graffiti from other truck drivers saying, you know, F these guards, this place sucks. So I'm like, I'm like trying to warn my dad. I'm like, just, just mentally prepare yourself. It's going to suck getting in there. They get to the gate, shows him his ID and they look at it and they see his license and his military ID. They're like, oh, welcome back, Master Sergeant. Come on in. Completely bypassed that whole security process. Oh, I was so mad. I was like, man, I've been to that, I'd been to that base six times prior and had to deal with that shit. And then we just we just get like the VIP treatment coming in because he has his uh, his ID. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, that's every, every time we go to an Air Force base, I wear this hat. <laughs> so, so now you're asking for it. The Marines yeah. are the ones that give them the worst. They're like, "Oh, your army." It's so funny. <laughs> for the for the people listening, he has a a, a U.S. Army hat on his head. Yes, <laughs> they always gotta give each other trouble when they see Air Force or Marines. They're always yeah. he makes sure army, he, army and Marines. We we give each other a heck. And he makes sure that as soon as he gets ready to pull up to the gate, he'll be like, give me my hat. He'll put his hat on just because he knows that they're going to give him trouble. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people don't know this. If you didn't serve or if you don't have family that served, there's a lot of like uh, inside baseball kind of like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Like all the, um, I, I guess back in the day it used to be a lot more serious, but these days everyone's kind of cooled on it. But there's, there's a lot of like rivalry between the, the, the service yeah. branches and a bit of a hierarchy. It's like the, the army is like, the, is like the bulk of the workforce. The Marines is like, um, if you need something killed immediately, that's that's who you send in. Um, yeah. Navy is like all that stuff, but it floats on water. And then the Air Force is like they're the Air most pampered, the, spoiled. You need a button sewn on. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have two kids in the Air Force, so I guess he can say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so back, but so back, back to um, what you guys are fighting. I, I tell everybody, if you're thinking that this stuff, this kind of stuff, is only going to stop at. Um, Speed limiters. You're you're kidding yourself. I have right here a copy on my desk. This amazing book called Data Driven by uh, Karen Levy. You guys should definitely get a copy. Everyone listening, to this should definitely get a copy. And it's all about um, current and future surveillance technology coming into the cabs and how it's not going to stop just at trucking. Um, no, they they have tech on the way that's going to be tracking your eyeballs, your eye blink movements, your respiratory. It, and this isn't even like with automated trucks. This is just how the drivers are going to be treated. Um, so yeah, all, all these people that are saying that like tra- trucking is going to be automated in the future. Okay, fine. But in the meantime, it's going to be, you know, hell on earth for, uh, the guys, guys and gals that are behind the wheels right now. And as you pointed out earlier, anyone that's worth their salt, that's been in the industry for a while, they're just leaving. Like they're not going to put up with this stuff. And that, and that's a problem. The more mean days that they put on, the more that they feel that they have to control. And we're not talking, I'm not talking like the safety, the important things, but the more that they keep doing this, all they're doing is they're pushing the good qualified drivers out of the trekking industry. And then we're getting all these newbies who, no offense, a lot of them don't have the training that they should, which I think falls a lot on the company's shoulders. And, and I just think that, you know, a couple years down the road, we're going to be in real trouble. Yeah. Well, 
so I started with a mega carrier and I'm, I'm more than grateful for the opportunity that they gave me. But at the same time, I was just one person in a huge group that was brought in. And so it was 87, 84 or 87 of us the first day. And two weeks later, when everyone was, was finished, only 17 of us got our CDLs. So you go from yep. a group of 84 to 17. And then a year and a half later, I was still the only person at that company. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And Larry, he, he started with a mega carrier too. And he was with him for about 10 years, you know, and they're one of the carriers that get, gets the most, you know, grief out there. But he's like, you know, I appreciated them because he actually felt like he got really good training through them. Sure wish I finished training. <laughs> oh, Rooster, Rooster's you, got a good story about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, back, you know, I started with Swift myself, but uh, they kind of flim flammed me. I actually filled out my application for MS carriers, got on the bus with rode the bus from Valdosta, Georgia or Tifton, Georgia. I can't remember where, but over to Memphis. Well, on my bus ride, uh, MS carriers got bought out by Swift. So here was me and about 40 other drivers standing at the Greyhound bus stop in Memphis looking for an MS carrier van. And there's nobody there. And finally, this guy gets out of this old beat up school bus and said hey yo ms cares like yeah uh they don't exist no more we bought them out welcome to swift <laughs> oh my gosh wow so i i spent yeah yeah i actually got the train at the old uh, uh naval support station up there outside of memphis which i think roadmasters owns that now the old airstrip Wow, that that's a rude awakening when you get out of the truck like that or get off the bus like that. You're like, wait a second, I'm working for who now? <laughs> I did the Greyhound from yeah. Los Angeles to Phoenix. Yep. Yeah, that's a, that's a bit of a drive. <laughs> um, okay, so switching topics here. What um, what got you guys uh, into TikTok? I see you have a YouTube channel. You're doing okay on there, but you're you're absolutely killing it on TikTok. I, I talked to a lot of drivers and, and companies out there and like growing a brand and getting messaging and stuff out there, but you, you guys have like 68,000 followers. I know. Well, TikTok. That's, that's crazy. We actually started social media like right around COVID time. And it, it, it was kind of funny how we fell into it. My husband and I were just, we're the type of people that we always like to give back. And we just chose, let's give back to the trucking community any way we could. So one of the things we, we didn't like during COVID was how truckers were having such a hard time finding restaurants that were open. Hmm. So we started a program called Treat a Trucker. And every Friday, Larry and I would take $100 out of our own money and buy gift cards to hand out to truckers and just say, you know, thanks for being out here and sacrificing time from your family. So before we knew it, somehow CBS Evening News up in Washington, D.C. heard about us. They came down to Virginia, I think, and interviewed us. And then that took off like crazy. And so over the last two years, we've, I think, gifted over 2,200 drivers now. Yeah. Oh, wow. and so, We're close to 2,500. Yeah, oh, close to 2,500. And a lot of that's from donations that people have given us. So then my we got COVID last year. My daughter's like, Mom, you should really get onto social media. TikTok in particular, she goes, because I think you could really help out more people with Treat a Trucker if you did that. And my first response was, we're too old for TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> but it's actually fun. I really like it. We tried to try to do some funny ones, but also some educational ones, too. So we tried to find a happy medium. And, and now it's our, a lot of fun. And now our dog has a TikTok <laughs> yeah, create one for our dog. <laughs> I, I've heard of Instagrams for pets, but not uh, not TikTok. That's pretty funny. Yes, <laughs> it, it, that's that's a really good point. So a lot of these a lot of these people that are like, oh, I don't go on platform X Y Z because that's where all like the young kids are at. But they don't realize the reason why the kids are also on that platform is because it's the easiest one to use. 
Yes. So it's 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 kind of counterintuitive. Like if, if you think you're not old enough, if you're too old or you know not smart enough to figure out these platforms, there's a reason why it's the number one platform out there right now. It's because it's the easiest one to use. It, it really is, and it's fun. It, yeah, it's fun too. <laughs> yeah, it can be. You know, sometimes like so. I when I first got on there, um, I got some basic facts wrong about an article we we'd covered. And I have all of my notifications kind of muted on there. If something that like goes crazy viral, I'll, I'll get notifications on my phone. Yeah. But for the most part, I try to keep it all off. Otherwise, my phone will just keep blowing up. And um, we were talking about Lisa and Leland Schmidt. I don't know if you guys are aware of them. Mm-hmm. Good, good friends of the show. And um, uh, Leland had filed uh, for a, an exemption with the FMCSA for his hours of service. And I had summarized... I'd written basically my, my quote unquote script for the video based on a summary of a summary and the, the facts by then were like completely different. And uh, his wife was actually like in the replies, like saying I was an idiot and I didn't know what I was talking about. And I was like, Oh, I got something wrong here. So I, I messaged him and I was like, Hey, I'm so sorry. Please tell me what I got wrong. I wasn't like, Oh, you guys are idiots. You know, we're, we're, right. we're talking about. And uh, no, we've been, we've been good friends ever since. And they were actually the first people we had on our, on our podcast. Um, and uh, we're going to be meeting them at Matt's, uh, uh, in March, are you guys going to be attending Matt's? We are. We're, we're going to be born in a million directs. I'm a. I'm on the board member. I'm one of the board members of Real Women in Trekking, so I'll be there for that. I'll oh, be there excellent. for the NADRA, and then we also have a Wednesday night radio show through TNC Radio, so we'll be there for that too. So well, we're going to be all over. <laughs> you guys wear. You guys wear lots of hats. We do. <laughs> we're very busy. <laughs> yeah. So, I, but um, TikTok advice: I would tell people just just go out there, put anything out there, and if you get you know, a couple of views and you got some people replying in your comments. That, that's actually good. Um, yes. Not not to be like too Machiavellian about it, but there are certain channels that tell you like get a couple of basic facts wrong. That way people in the comments are replying saying you got this wrong. You got this. Wrong. That's actually like a, 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 um, a strategy that they use to like increase their engagement. I, I don't do that. I, I screw up on, on accident. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> I'm like, what's, honest mistake. <laughs> okay, okay. So what's what's been like the worst, uh, f- you know, flood of DMs that you guys have gotten on something you've posted? I just got one just the other day. Oh, what was it on? Um, oh, I know what it was. So uh, somebody there, it was a video I was commenting on about some uh, some farmers that were, uh, they had a Walmart across the way from their field. And they saw the same truck every night. He worked for a tow truck company. He'd come in and he'd lightly tap on the driver's doors. And of course, when they don't wake up and he doesn't hear him, he'd go boot him. And he had two ways of booting him. One was on the windshield and one was on the tire. So those farmers, those young kids, they would go over and try to warn the truckers, hey, the guy's mm-hmm. in the parking lot, get out of there. So I commented and I'm like, you know, I said, I, I kind of, I'm torn on this one. I don't like them booting the truck drivers, you know, when they're sleeping in Walmart, because a lot of times they're sleeping there because there is no other place. I mean, yeah. truck parking is another huge issue. But then on Walmart's, you know, and not not even Walmart, but any business, the reason we can't park in places like that is because a lot of times truckers are dirty and we leave our trash everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I got yelled at, well, what truckers are you talking about? I'm like, and if you're honest with, you know, we see yeah. it all over the <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> Well, well, the the nuance was your first mistake. This is social media. Yeah. Nuance is not allowed. Yes, <laughs> it's like I'm not a dirty trucker. It's like, did I say you were a dirty trucker? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I'm I'm still getting chewed out about that one. How dare you say truckers are dirty? Hey, I'm a trucker, and I'm just being honest. <laughs> yeah, at least, and what's what's also most annoying about it too is it varies from municipality to municipality, not just state to state. Like yes. you go to Texas, I don't other than like you know the major cities. 
I'm pretty sure there's truck parking at just about every Walmart in Texas. Yes. But if you're in the Southeast, like Florida or in the Northeast, they will, especially in Florida, they will like purposefully design the parking lots so that you cannot get a truck into the spots without running over a tree or something. Yes. Yes, they do. Or they'll have those low hanging bars, you know, that's like 12 foot. So you yeah. definitely can't get your truck and trailer in there, you know, and, and that kind of bothers me because like for us, when we actually live out here on the road, Walmart's who we go to for our supplies. That's the easiest way. So now what we've resorted to doing, and I try to tell anybody is we'll do Instacart or we'll do Walmart. So we still get our groceries, but we haven't delivered at the truck stop because I'm not going to chance going into a Walmart and getting booted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had another guest, I believe that, um, so they'll do the shopping online via Walmart, but then they'll do the, the, the pickup. Yes. So you you don't actually go into the parking lot. You, you, you go in where the trucks go to deliver or pick up and then you can just pick up your groceries there. Like that's, that's a really good alternative as well. Like the trucks have, somehow the trucks have to get into the store, whether, you know, they want them in the parking lot or not is a whole different story, but at least you've got a way of getting into the back of the store. Absolutely. That's a great idea. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Truckers have to be crafty. Uh, And even, even in the military bases, uh, when I was at Quantico, um, you know, if you park there at the the ammo supply point overnight, um, they got a guy that delivers pizza. So if you're hungry, he's (laughs) like, yeah, just uh, give us, let us know at the guard shack. We'll call the guy up and he'll bring you a pizza. Wow. Okay. That would be so cool. That's nice. <laughs> Again, this, this was like 10 years, this was 10 years ago. So I don't know if that's still the case or not. But. Right. <laughs> I know there was one base we were staying at one weekend and I, I swear to you, every time I turned around, there was a Domino's car going by and I'm like, maybe oh, we yeah. should call them and have them deliver to us. I'm like, Oh, that looks so good. <laughs> all the, all the bachelors that got living on those bases, those, those, those pizza places are just printing money. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> and it's always Domino's. It seems like every base we go to is Domino's Pizza. Yeah, it's the worst one. <laughs> yes, worst, absolutely worst. <laughs> oh. Um, so what do you what are your plans um uh, so far with like carrying TikTok on to other other? Do you, do you plan on staying on TikTok or do you want to try and like diversify to other platforms? Um, we we started up a YouTube account. That's kind of where we've we've been on Facebook for a long time, and then we went to TikTok, and now we're kind of trying to build our YouTube audience. That's another new one for me. But yeah, I think we're just going to stick with TikTok. I like it. We've actually met quite a few uh, other drivers off of TikTok. And and uh, I tell you, it's a nice way to get to know other truck drivers in the field or even truckers' wives. I like it a lot better than I do, let's say, Facebook. <laughs> so it's, it's interesting. And, and it brings out the creative side of people, which I love. Yeah. Um, what are, other than Matt's uh, happening for uh, happening. In a few months, have you run across any other couples that you guys follow on uh, on TikTok? Uh, yeah, actually, um, we we ran into quite a few last year. Iowa eighty, we actually we had a big group of us parked at Iowa eighty. I think we had like I don't know ten trucks, all couples, and we were all from the internet. And we all got together. We wound up getting like eight hundred dollars in groceries, and every night we were at Iowa eighty, we were cooking for all the drivers, and it was so much fun. But I know this year yeah, we're going to be had to go out and buy a buy a grill. Yeah, way to buy a grill. <laughs> And this year, I know we're going to meet uh, a lot of people know her as Lily Trucker on TikTok, but Ashley and Rich, we're going to meet up with them and uh, we'll probably see Mr. and Mrs. G out there. So we'll be seeing a lot of people. I, I love going to truck shows because you get to see those people that you wouldn't normally get a chance to see. Yeah, no, I'm very excited for Matt. I've um, never been to any of these live events before. And now that uh, Gats is gone, you know, Matt's is pretty much all that's left. Uh, yeah. So yeah, we're, we're hoping to have a really good time there. Yeah, it's it's. This is my first year going to Mass. We tried to go last year, we weren't able to. So this year we're definitely going, and I'm looking forward to it. And, and Mother's Day, I'm hoping that um, Make a Wish Foundation does the same thing again. Last year we did a convoy, and we had a girl in our truck. 
She was in a wheelchair. That, that was, was that, that was, was fun. Crazy. They do a, a trucker's convoy up in Pennsylvania. It's a Make-A-Wish Foundation. It's through uh, Real Women in Truckers, Trucking sponsors it. And we did that last year. We actually still keep in touch with the family. And she got a ride in her truck. And it was like, God, there was what almost 200 trucks that participated. It was fun. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, it was big. Hadn't officially announced it, but yeah, well, back to truck up is planning to get a 10 mats. We don't know exactly what all we're doing yet. Uh, supposed to be hopefully having to know what size and scope the snowball that started rolling downhill has become. <laughs> uh, so, uh, more details on that pretty soon. Uh, but yeah, uh, make a wish convoy that's a, a, a great charity to be a part of. Uh, have you done any uh, wreaths, ac- wreaths across America? Uh, no, we did get the opportunity not last year, but the year before that. We were like, I think they needed three trucks, and we were truck number four, so we just missed out on it. Mm. And that's when oh. we were working through FedEx. I know I was so bummed. I'm like, I was like, you know, just a few minutes late with my email. Otherwise, we would have definitely done it. <laughs> but yeah, that's when I would really, I would be honored to do that. We've been going through like some of the legal stuff, you know, overtime act. Uh, speed limiters, uh, AI and trucks, uh, automated truck driving. They that seems to be. I don't know if it's like a two steps forward, one step back right now with the whole issues going down with uh, some of the companies. You know, they'll make uh, big strides in it, and something internally will happen to the company, and that company get kicked. You know, get their shins kicked. They'll have to back off. But uh, when and where do you see? automated trucking coming in you know do you see it ever fully going class five truck handles everything or do you see it kind of like as an enhanced cruise control like we have now and uh the freightliners kenworth and peterbilt's where it's just like a combination of a cruise control and a collision mitigation my hope is that they keep the ais to you know local short distance deliveries because you know, my fear and, and my other hope is that if it does go fully AI, that it's going to not be in my lifetime because I don't want to <laughs> see that and I don't want to lose my job. But yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> they're here to stay. They're not going anywhere. But like you said, we have seen a lot of issues with the AI. A lot of things that have gone wrong in their test runs, a lot of things that have gone wrong with the companies themselves. So I do think there's nothing we can do to stop it. It's going to be here. My hope is that it's just local or regional runs and that us over the, over the road truck drivers, you know, will still be around they're still going to need us and want us that's that's my hope and i'm sure that's most truckers because i know you don't want to admit it but let's be honest i think we're all a little bit scared and we should be you know the technology's there we've known it for a while they're advancing way quicker than we thought and i'll be honest i'm a little nervous you know granted we're going to be retiring in a few years but there's younger truckers out there you know that probably want to stay in the industry for a long period of time and i know they're nervous too so it's definitely something to be concerned about yeah, I, I think you've got the uh, the points backwards because I, I really see the over the road stuff, you know, the long distance stuff being automated more than the local stuff. It, it's very easy to get a robot to drive in a straight line you know, or, be, or between two dotted sure. lines for for a thousand miles than it is to have it navigate through a city and get to a dock. And you know, so they're not even at that point yet. Um, yeah. I, I again, I, I I see it coming for sure, but at what cost and for how how long are we going to wait? You know, if you if you yeah. got to spend, you know, five hundred billion dollars over the course of you know twenty plus years to to get something to the point where it can actually replace a, a real living human driver, you know, why not just take care of the drivers better for cheaper? Yeah. 
Well, they're. I don't. I don't see them carrying uh, 1.1 in the near future. Oh, the hazmat. Well, we have a friend of ours that, for a prime example, is she got a brand new Cascadia last year, and she was one of the first Cascadias that they test drove their new mirrors on, the, where they take away her outside mirror and she has a computer mirror. She was scared to death. They only gave her like a week's worth of training. And my whole philosophy is when you're relying on a computer to be your mirror, and I know that was her biggest fear, we all know our computers go out, we get shorts, we have problems. Well, now she doesn't have any mirrors enabled to, you know, and I, I don't know. I know it scared her. It scared me. I'm like, I don't know that I would be comfortable driving a truck where my mirror was inside and it's electronic. What if my computer goes out or I get a shorter? You know, it's stuff like that you got to be concerned about. And, and the way that they solve that is they told her to take her old mirrors, the one that she had in the outside of her truck, put them down in your toolbox. That way, if they quit working, you can just hang them up. I'm like, I was going to I was going to say that. that That is that is a, a comment I've read from, you know, these, these yeah. press releases that they have out. It's like, oh, yeah, we take the mirrors <laughs> off the truck. But if something happens to the system, they just keep the mirrors with them. I'm like, okay, keep them where? Exactly. She's like, it takes up my entire toolbox. She goes, not to mention, do you think that's the safest thing for me to do on the side of a road, to be hanging off the side of my truck, hanging my mirror back up? Yeah. Um, well, so going forward, how does she like that system now? Like, has she gotten used to it? Like, what is, do you know what she has to say about it? She's gotten used to it. She likes it. And, and as a matter of fact, her truck is, the other feature it has is, is she could take her hands off of the steering wheel for 15 minutes. Every 15 minutes, she just has to touch the steering wheel and it'll just drive itself down the road, which to me is scary as heck because that means the driver's distracted. I think that's like a horrible thing that they did. Absolutely. I'm going to. Yeah. Some, some, somebody's going to be in the back taking a little cat nap when that's going on and ha- have a weight hanging from the steering wheel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can see somebody on their phone, you know, going through social media or whatever. They're not paying attention because they know that, you know, a little buzzer is going to tell them, okay, now I need to touch my steering wheel and then I'm done. Another 15 minutes goes by. I'm like, I don't know who thought of that, but wasn't very smart. <laughs> yeah. Um, our friend Gord, uh, he was in my mentions the other day about, um, you know, automation. And there's a quote from a book he always likes to, to post. And it says, uh, the, the plans for the San Francisco Metro BART called for the trains to be fully automated, but to carry a, a conductor in case of emergencies. It was pointed out that the kind of person who would be happy to ride back and forth without doing anything for nine years would be precisely the person least capable of coping with an emergency on the 10th. So <laughs> yeah. that, that, and that, and I see that that needs to be nailed on the, the front door of every you know, this is this is like our Martin Luther moment. That needs to be nailed on the front door of every single automated trucking company out there on the planet. All these yes. people that are, that are pushing to, okay, if you're if you're going to take the driver out of the truck, take the driver out of the truck. Don't do these half measures where you got to have somebody in the truck, barely paying attention, and then to you know jump jump start at a, at a second's notice to take over right. in an emergency. That's not how emergencies happen. You know, you need somebody paying attention when there is an emergency coming. And the, yeah, the trucks I, I, aren't the, the trucks at the at the moment aren't smart enough to say, "Hey, buddy, pay attention. There there might be some danger up ahead." Absolutely, and I think especially like I mean, like I said, hers was a Freightliner Cascadia. The fact that they only have to touch the steering wheel every fifteen minutes—that's a long time for a driver to be distracted. And and you know, I don't know that I would you know sit there and say that that Freightliner is going to know if somebody stops in front of them or maybe there's construction up ahead or emergency vehicle on the right side. So it's like. That to me, that's scary, and it seems like it would cause more accidents. So I don't know. <laughs> or or forget accidents. It also just lowers the the skill level of the the person behind the wheel. Absolutely. Um, I got to I got to drive a, a level two autonomous truck from a company called Plus 
a few ma- for a few months back in Chattanooga. It's a nice little truck. It's it's a a, a Peterbilt um, Epic. Was it five seven nine Epic? Is that what it was, Rooster? Yeah, yeah, great great truck. Um, but the system itself was basically just glorified cruise control. So you get up to highway speed, you you, you double tap the cruise button, and it'll maintain your your lane. Um, it'll change lanes for you, which I think I, I told him. Like my only negative feedback on it was it needs to be a little more aggressive. I think with the lane changing, because from the the minute you initiate the lane, you, you press a button, and then from the time you press the button to when it changes lanes, I counted it in my head. It was like ten seconds. And oh I was like, wow! I was like, I was like, that is way too long to be sitting there with your blinker on and then have the truck move over. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I told him it needs it needs a northeast driver mode. It needs to be a little <laughs> more. It needs to be a little more aggressive. And I said, I said the perfect person to be driving this kind of truck is somebody who is brand new to the industry, or somebody with decades of experience that is ready to like ride out their sunset years and doesn't want to like deal with the grind every day. But the worst possible person to be driving a truck like that is somebody with like a year to like two years experience because they're not hardened n- enough and, and have the experience to like get the full breadth of like everything that you're driving through. And right. when you, when you're given, you know, when the training wheels come off and, and it's time to you know really pay attention to what's going on and you've got a truck that's doing 80% of the work for you, you're never getting that experience. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So un- unless, unless that driver is driving that truck for the rest of their career, which they probably won't considering the, the, the uh, turnover rates at most companies these days, you know, if you're in that, if you get, say you get your CDL, you go somewhere for a year, you go to another company and they got one of these trucks and you're in that truck for five years, any other trucking company would be stupid to hire you because you don't know what the hell you're doing. Right. Oh, that's so true. That's so true. Yeah. And so you're, you're basically knee and the truck's not automatic. So you're kneecapping them right there. Yeah. Um, and, and, and to be fair, automatics have gotten a lot better. I, the, the first couple first couple automatics I drove for with Schneider, they were just absolute dog shit. And nobody has any problem saying that. They were just they're horrendous. You put it in drive and it just sits there and waits for you to hit the accelerator. And yeah. then it's like, and then boom, let's go. All the trucks <laughs> I, I drove with the post office for five years and all the trucks they had were automatics. But it was like a car. You put it in gear and, it, and it's pulling on you. It's great. It's, I loved I loved driving those. Um, I, I think more more trucks are going that direction in the future with automatics, but it's, it's, it's not perfect yet. I remember the very first day that my husband had to call me. He's like, honey, he's like, I got horrible news. And this is before I was a trucker. And I'm like, well, what's your horrible news? And he's like, they're putting me in an automatic. And in my mind, I'm sitting here thinking, why is that horrible news? That's great. And the first time he got into the truck and he put the key on, he had to call his boss because he couldn't figure out how to shift it. Yeah. Yeah, and it, 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 there, you, you look at like five different trucks. There's like ten different automatic systems on in them. You know, yeah. none of there's there's no universality mm-hmm. whatsoever. So you it, oh. it, it takes you a day or two to get used to it, and then you still got the muscle memory of like you know you're still reaching yeah. for the shifter. That took me that took me a long time. Where's that? damn clutch. But it was great driving in the postal service because I was in and around Philadelphia, so I'm dealing with that, that traffic every single day, and my left knee has been thanking me ever since. Oh, I can imagine. I can imagine. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, guys, we're coming up to about an hour here. Um, so we'll, we'll wrap this up here. Where can everybody find you guys online? And where do you want to send them uh, to reach to reach out to your organization? Uh, you can find us online on TikTok and Facebook. It is Married to the Road. And you can also find, uh, yes, Married the Number Two, the Road. Two. And then you can also uh, find our True Trekker program on Facebook as well. Awesome. Uh, 
Angie, Larry, it's been such a blast talking to you guys. Um, is there anything else you wanted to cover before we uh, sign off here? No, I think that's it. This was great. Thank you so much, you guys. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Justin, you got anything else? Yes, sir. All right. Well, we will catch you guys down the road. Bye.